Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. Being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We are your host, Chris Schubert's here floating around producing this thing. We're from the Draft Network and we're brought to you by Bet Online, which is your number one source for all sports betting needs this season. You will always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. They are your continued source for sports wagering information like live betting, free contests, and giveaways. All season long, it is always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. It's BetOnline, and it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy national don't make your bed day to you. Don't make your. It's the first thing I did this morning. First I wish I, I would have got morning. the memo. No, I, you didn't. I wish I would have got the memo so I could have adequately celebrated the day. Well, you can go mess it up and then not make it again. <sighs> do I want to do that though? No, I would. I definitely wouldn't do that. That that just it that just feels tedious, to right? Go, to go a little behind the curtain, I don't think Kyle can actually do that right now. I can't. I can't confirm. I, I that is not an option oh. for me. Is what I I think I can read between. I'm the lines. locked in my own yeah. in my own is office. There, are there other living organisms organisms in there with you? Correct, but I got my pets all locked up in my office because the the house is getting it clean, which makes a lot of sense because we're we're getting ready to move here. So, gotta gotta come clean before you move so that you could bring somebody back to clean after you move. You know, makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. There's a person that I have an interaction with. It's nobody nobody at TDN. There's a person that I have an interaction with every week. And when you have X number of exchanges and conversations with this person, I'm sure you guys have had this. You you kind of identify like their own little ticks or their own little quirks as a person. So have you ever had one of those that you've discovered about somebody that anytime you have future interactions with that person, you're just waiting for that thing to happen. Cause I'm, yes. I'm at the point now where like I have a conversation with somebody. And then when we end the conversation, this person kind of <laughs> like laughs to say goodbye. They laugh to say goodbye. And now it's 
the entire time I'm having interactions with this person, it's just like, are you going to laugh again? And they do every time. And now it's like become this defining sub trait quality of this person who's an excellent person. But I'm just wondering, have you guys ever had any experiences like that that maybe aren't that specifically uh, that you can think of off the top of your head? Because I had my interaction with this person today and I've been thinking about it all morning. There are people that I interact with regularly that I'm fully aware of their quirks. I know they're going to happen and I know that they're going to happen and I have to be like mature and not like laugh. You know what I mean? You guys know how yeah. I am. Yeah. So I'm like anticipating it, but I know yeah, Joe's probably about, the worst. I, Joe's probably the worst for this because Joe can't keep in any sort right, of Right. He, he can't contain himself. But here's what's interesting to me about this entire story that you've just told us. Yes. We've, we have some clues. We don't know who this person is, but we know that Correct. you have no concern about them listening to this podcast. And we know that you talked to them today. So. Correct. As I inevitably now find You're myself sit here and try to try to do the in math? detective mode. Yeah, I want to I got to get this figured out. And I have I have some some suspects at the top of my mind that we will not get into right now because I don't think anybody needs that. But smart, yeah. smart. What, what people do need is check the tape and they need Levy Grail for the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. And damn it, they're about to get it. They're about to get it. All right. Let's so, get weird. Let's well, let's do it. I have, again, once again, no idea what your check the tape item is. I think you know what mine is. But. Uh, Yeah, why don't you go first? I know you, you alluded to earlier this morning while we were working on something else, what you have going down. Well, I spent my morning with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and um, a big emphasis that I had was obviously this, this win that they had over Dallas. And so as I watched that game this morning, uh, knowing that I was going to talk about it on this podcast today, want to kind of just take you guys through the journey of what that game told me um, because I, I think we look at it now as, okay, are the Jaguars a team in the AFC that can really win this division? And are, are the Dallas Cowboys a team that can really be a true contender in the NFC? And I, I think you maybe come away from this game feeling better about Jacksonville than you do Dallas. But watching the game, obviously, you know, I, I have some takeaways. And, and the first half, I mean, da the Jaguars are down 21-7 to in the first half, at the end of the first half. And I thought the entire time the defense, Jacksonville's defense was vulnerable. Trevor Lawrence was missing throws. They had one good drive, essentially, in offense. It was a great drive, nine plays, 75 yards. Uh, it was the first touchdown to, to Zay Jones, first of three. That was a great drive. I don't think they got to third down at all. I think they may have got a first down on like five or six consecutive plays. It was a great drive. But everything else for that team offensively in the first half was a real struggle. They started off with a fumble. They go three and out, the touchdown, three and out, and then end of half where they had a chance to get into field goal range and they couldn't get there. So I'm watching the second half. I'm like, this first half, I'm like, man, I, I don't know about this. I, I'm really surprised that Jacksonville is going to win this game. And I start watching the second half, obviously, and I'm really questioning how Dallas lost this football game, especially after Trevor Lawrence throws a pick with 635 left in the third quarter. I'm like, there's no way. But I think the way that the game unfolded from there was obviously the difference because Dallas took over at the Jacksonville 42. They basically got no yards, had to settle for a field goal. And I thought that was a, a turning point in the game because the next drive, Jacksonville gets the ball back 
And this is when Trevor Lawrence launches the ball 59 yards to Zay Jones for his second touchdown reception, where Kelvin Joseph, the Cowboys corner on that play, just got completely twisted up on a dumble move and, and it was a great throwing catch. But Kelvin, jo- Kelvin Joseph made this possible. And, and we know that he's been in, in the headlines for a lot of the wrong reasons here lately. And obviously, I think that was a, a pivotal moment. So then you you have a situation now where Dallas is unraveling. The next drive, the, Dak throws an ugly interception to Rayshon Jenkins. And that gives Jacksonville a short field, right? So now, same situation here. A pick and a short field. One team, Dallas, kicked the field goal. The other team, Jacksonville, four plays later, score a touchdown, Trevor Lawrence to Marvin Jones, right? So I think, to me, those were your critical turning points. One team got a short field and scored a touchdown. One team had a short field and kicked a field goal. You got to score touchdowns in the NFL. But then the Jaguars get the ball back later in the game, and Trevor Lawrence fumbled the ball with 126 left in the game, down 34 to 31. Dallas takes over at their own 38. Jacksonville has three timeouts. Dallas goes minus three yards with Zeke on first down. Then they get three yards back on second down with Tony Pollard. Then they throw an incomplete pass. They max protect, and Dak throws a bomb to Noah Brown that didn't have any chance of being completed. And now you're in a situation where you're giving the ball back to Jacksonville. You didn't force them to burn that third timeout. And then, of course, Jacksonville gets the ball back. And they have one timeout with 101 left in the game from the 29-yard line. And uh, Dallas was only able to take 27 seconds off the clock and left that time for the Jaguars to go down and, and score. And, you know, look, the, the, the turning point on that drive was the completion to Zay Jones that went right through the hands of Don Wilson. They had no business being completed. I felt like this game, and then, of course, we, you know, we see what happens. You get to – you get to um, to overtime and the fumble and or excuse me the the Dak Prescott uh, interception return for a touchdown, but it's like I almost felt like Dallas lost the game more than Jacksonville won it, and for the most part, Jacksonville was in control. But in those critical moments, Dallas was on the bad side of the plays; they were on the wrong side of the ball bouncing. And um, credit to Jacksonville, I thought. I thought Trevor Lawrence really kind of settled in in the second half, made some big throws, uh, did a good job of, of taking the answers that were schemed in there for him. I thought he was quick with, the, with his decision-making. I thought uh, uh, Travis Etienne played a good ball game. Um, but, man, I feel like Dallas really kind of let this one get away in a game that felt like maybe they should have won by a pretty significant margin. So all that to say, what's the big takeaway here? Well, I think that Jacksonville is still a team that has to learn to get out of their own way because this game, I think they're lucky to be able to come back and have won it. They're still a young football team. And, and for Dallas, you know, they got to, they have to play more sound. I think they've been vulnerable the last two weeks and it's not the time of year to be vulnerable. And so I left with concerns about both teams but obviously feeling good for Jacksonville that they were able to put it together, but man, they've got some stuff to clean up as well. What, um, what was the, the line of scrimmage like in that game as far as playing on the plus side of the line of scrimmage, which, which side, which team consistently did that more throughout that game? Cause I hear you say all you did, and then you think about 
Dallas and critical situational football stuff at the end of the game didn't win the line of scrimmage when they needed to based on taking over after the turnover in the final two minutes. I think it was Jacksonville, um, particularly on defense. I thought uh, Devon Hamilton played really well in this game to, to kind of, kind of control his, his space. And, you know, I think Dallas ran the ball. Okay. But Jacksonville was the team that got the explosive runs. They were the team that got the, ex- the, the explosive plays in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think, I, I don't know that it was super. I there were times. I mean, I thought Dallas's ability to get pressure was better than Jacksonville's. I thought Jacksonville's run blocking might be a little bit better than Dallas, but at times Dallas's was good. And I thought Dallas did okay in pass pro. So it was it was um, kind of a mixed bag for both teams. I mean, Tyron Smith had his struggles on the right at right tackle a little bit. You know, Arden Key had a really good ball game, um, but I wouldn't call it a definitive win for either team. I think they both had their had their moments in, in situations. Okay. Any other thoughts for Jacksonville? Doug Peterson's a really good football coach, man. Imagine he's really, that. He's really allowing Trevor Lawrence to, to play great football. The last six weeks have been good for him. Uh, Trevor's still missing throws. There's, there's no question. He's still got to find a little bit more consistency. Um, the fumble was, was ill-advised. I thought he kind of put that ball out there. I mean, his interception was bad in this game. Um, but for the most part, I think he's doing a really good job of getting the ball out, challenging all levels of the field, and, and understanding the objectives of every single play. Okay. I have a player for you that I checked the tape on. And this started with watching the Monday night football contest between the Rams and the Packers, two of the teams that I'm responsible for the pro scouting for. Do you have any guesses on which player I would like to talk about? From Rams and Packers on Monday night yes. football? Yes. This player played over, over 50 snaps. I don't know why I'm kind of leaning into it being a Packers player. Um, it's not. It's not. Get off that track. Right oh, now. really? I, I I can't even. Somebody from the Rams? Yeah. Aaron Donald? Did he play? He didn't play, did he? Bobby he Wagner? Didn't, he didn't play. He didn't. Taylor well, Rapp? Bo- it's not Bobby. Is it an offensive or defensive player? It's a defensive player. This was a second round pick in the CFL draft. I was going to say the Rams make second round picks. <laughs> Michael uh, Hoyt, defensive lineman from Brown University in his second year with the Rams. So Michael Hoyt, born in Oakville, Ontario, and then moved to Dayton, Ohio when he was four. Family moved back to Canada before high school uh, in Toronto and then returned in Ohio. So they went back and forth between Ohio and Canada like three times. He played for the Brown Bears in the Ivy League for four years. He was second team all Ivy League as a senior. He went undrafted in the NFL draft. He came through the 2020 NFL draft. He was a second round pick in the CFL draft. Um, signed with the Rams as a UDFA. I was drafted by the Ottawa Red Blacks in the second round. Uh, he was waived and then put on the practice squad played a handful of snaps in 2021 and has now played almost 250 snaps this year. 
and has, quite frankly, over the course of the past month, been one of the more interesting and impactful players. He's 6'4", 310 pounds, and he plays on the edge often for the Rams. He's got 12 pressures over the last four games combined. Uh, they they dropped him a couple times <laughs> into coverage, and it's, it's never going to be a place where he lives. But Michael Hoyt is a player who, you think about what the Rams have had success doing and they kind of find their way into these UDFA and lowly drafted players who end up far outperforming expectations. And I think Michael Hoyt has a chance to be one of the next guys. I mean, he he's legitimately, this is not like playing four eye in a defense. He is an outside linebacker at 310 pounds for the Rams. And they, they've incurred some injuries and, uh, they're one of the more injured teams in, in all of football. But just this really pleasant player with surprising athleticism for his stature. I think he's probably a little bit of a late bloomer having played at Brown. Uh, a lot of pop and power in his hands. And um, just a breath of fresh air from the last time that I did the Rams when they were in the midst of like the skid that they went on midseason. So it's it's been about a month since I watched the Rams and, and watching Michael Hoyt uh, be a player who was on nobody's reservation or radar coming out of the Ivy League and, and his Canadian roots. And it's cool you're seeing the Canadian pipeline just bear more and more fruit for the NFL. This was a really fun and pleasant player that I'm eager to watch more of uh, in it, what has largely been a lost season for the Rams. This is a player that I'm I'm actually going to be excited to to look back on the next time I check out the Rams and, and their final three games of the season. Is that like a the the weirdest transition ever into the Levy Grail for the the Rams? Is that they have this uh, this Michael Hoyt? Is that how you say it? Hoyt. Hoyt. Yeah. H O E C H T. Michael Hoyt. This is the most random thing you've ever done. Well, I'm I'm turning on the game and I'm watching this big ass dude out in space and I'm asking why they have this guy out here. And then I watched him throughout the broadcast and then I went down the rabbit hole and actually went back and like he killed Seattle last the, the last time they played Seattle. He he had two sacks and like an additional five pressures in that game against Seattle. I mean, there's good tackles. There's two rookie tackles that they have. So um yeah, de- definitely a guy who popped that I wasn't expecting. But uh, before Week 12, he had not played more than five defensive snaps in any game this season. And then he's played 64, 56, 50, and 55. And he's been a productive player, really productive player. So fun, uh, fun storyline in the midst of what's otherwise been a lost season for the Rams. I think this is the stress that the Rams put on themselves, right, through some of their – philosophies is they need to find these types of guys right which is exciting for these types of guys right like you you can be a real diamond in the rough and if the rams call go right because <laughs> you got a real shot here and so if they can get some of this stuff man that's that's great for these players it's good for them they need it I mean, but but they less need. I will say for the Rams, like they've consistently had day three and UDFA hits for the better part of the last five six years. Now the the draft classes of the last two years have not 
bore a lot of fruit as they've kind of gone with more veteran players to kind of fill some of those voids. But um, right now, Michael Hoyt's playing at a lot higher level than Tutu Atwell, and I can tell you where they got one of these guys, and I can tell you where they got the other one. Hey, Tutu Atwell has a pulse here lately. Yeah, those alligator arms look great across the middle on Monday night. Listen, he's done something this year. That was one of my top points for the league. It's progress. He's done something. Okay, well, it's a good thing we're starting the Levy Grill now, and I got that comment in before we start. I'm assuming we are going to start with the Rams after their loss to the Packers to drop them to 4-10. and 10. Yeah, we, we, we should. We should start with the Rams. Uh, so I'll do the thing. From an anonymous European writer in the 14th century, fight on, my fight men. Fight on, my men. I am hurt, I but, am I'm hurt not but I'm slain. not slain. I'll he lay me down and off. bleed a while, <laughs> and then I'll rise and fight again. And fight again. Did you ever notice how nobody does that to you ever? Never? Like it's just, <laughs> Is that one of my quirks that you sit here and you it's wait It's a horrible – it's absolutely the – yes. It's And I had my hands ready to go to take my headset off. Yeah. The, the, the possibility of you being incredibly annoying. And I know I'm doing a bad thing right now by letting you know that it annoys me because that means you're, you're just right, going to do you it are. more. But damn it, that's annoying. And I think I think on behalf of the listeners, they hate it too because I get DMs all the time. Kyle's so annoying when he does that. And I want you to know that everybody hates well, it. So when you keep I, doing it, you're just pissing people off. I have bad news for everyone, or specifically for you. Everyone thinks I'm annoying like a larger percentage of the time than when I'm just saying the Levy Grail over top of you. And I want to know, and I want to know what percentage of listeners who DM you that they're annoyed with the Levy Grail are Bills fans, because it's a, that's it's like, all kinds of people. Are yeah, yeah, but I want to know the percentage because the Levy Grail is like the Bills thing. So oh, I feel yeah. like there's like a little bit of possessiveness over that from the fan base where they're like, no. shut this guy up and let Joe no, do this thing. This stems from uh, back like doing it over ad reads. This is years, Kyle. This isn't yeah, a like recent this is, thing. Kyle, this is your brand. You do it for ad reads. You do it for the intro of the show. Right. You do like you just do it all the time. And that's listen. I I find it funny, but I can understand why it bothers Joe because Joe's trying to do a very serious thing. But I can understand Joe's position. I was hoping you were going to start to say something that I knew what you were saying, so I could start doing it to you just now. But I, that did I not apologize. happen. Apologize. Just on behalf of all people, we we kindly request. Just kindly stop. Just kindly stop doing that. Yeah. Okay. The Rams leave you grill. Michael Hoyt. Michael Hoyt. <laughs> Exciting young player, second year edge rusher. Pretty rare blend of athleticism and size. Out of left field. I guess out of center field, right? Coming down from, I guess it'd be right field from, from LA to go to Toronto. So, yeah, it, it, there's players like this if you look hard enough across all teams across the league. But Michael Hoyt being one who's actually manifesting in a big opportunity. I don't think that he prevents you from bringing anything else in at the edge position, but I mean, that's, that's the whole thing with the Rams is strategizing how to go about rebuilding your roster with the assets that they have collected to this point. All right. So what assets do they have to help their football team? Uh, $2.6 million in cap space. And I put that down as a win because there's eight teams that are over the caps uh, cap right now. And so I think the fact that they're not in that bucket is good and they have a second round pick which is probably going to be in the top 40 
uh, a third round pick. That'll be pretty high. Another third round pick. So you're going to have three picks probably between 35 and 75. So that's three reasonably young players to be able to add to the mix. Not, not to mention a six and a seven. So I think from a, a resource standpoint, we've seen them with a lot less in the past to work with. And they've got a little bit of cap space and, you know, not a first round pick, but they've got some mid round picks here that will allow them to find some talent to add to the roster. Yeah. Um, I did a whole write up over at the draft network. If you haven't read it and you're a Rams fan and you're wondering how you go about this transition and what I would strongly recommend is reading through and, and I want to throughout the course of the Levy Grail here for um, uh, draft dudes to kind of read through some of the bullet points as far as, as what the strategy should look like for you guys to get back on track. And I think the number one thing that the Rams have to start to do is reload the deck. I mean, you're operating under the understanding that you've taken a step backwards, right? You won the Super Bowl last year. That was the reward, and this is the price that you pay for the reward. Now, you're not going to go back to just contending for a Super Bowl again next year. You have to understand this is like kind of a steady buildup that's coming again. Now, you have some cornerstone-type pieces. The longevity of them is going to give you flexibility. You're going to have a chance to kind of look and say, okay, like is Aaron Donald going to ride off into the sunset? Is Matthew Stafford going to retire? I think the fact that you have a lottery ticket right now in Baker Mayfield is a great thing. Now, whether or not you commit to bring him back and give him a new contract to keep him in place, that's up for you guys to decide ultimately as, as less need and group. But you have a general manager who has shown the ability to build a winning program. And let's not forget how long ago it was six years ago. The Rams had the number one overall pick seven years ago, I guess now 2016. Mm-hmm. They've been in this position before, and the guy who's running the show has done it. That in itself is a win as you are trying to wrap your head around what is to come. That's a great talking point. And I I think you took it to – I had something written down, and this is it. I'll read it from my notes. 2022 is over, and you won a Super Bowl in 2021. So you've had the ultimate recent success. You're – crap year is about to be over and being able to lean into somebody who's been through this before that's taken you from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs has to be a great, great feeling on top of just the crap of this year being over, meaning your offensive line can't be more injured next year than it was this year. Matthew Stafford came out and said, he's not retiring. He's coming back. Um, Cooper Cup's not going to – he's going to enter the year healthy. You have another year of Allen Robinson to understand what he can do for your football team. You know, I feel like just you, putting your problems – like your problems do go away as you flip the calendar. And I think that's a, a good that's a good thing that I'd be excited about if I were the Rams, mainly guys getting healthy. So the story that I wrote was from October 14th, 2022, and it's how can the LA Rams be fixed? And the the talking points that are in there, there's four of them. 
draft well in the middle rounds uh, to restock scheme-specific players on financially economic contracts to negate your top-heavy commitments. You need to have strategic player extensions or re-signings to offset previously committed or prorated guaranteed money. So some of your big contracts, you'll have to, to look through and identify opportunities to extend players. Uh, because here's the deal, eight players under contract, eight of the 38 players under contract for the Rams in 2023 are currently accounting for 75% of the projected salary cap space. Eight players, 75%. It's Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, Matthew Stafford, Allen Robinson, Joseph Noteboom, and Bobby Wagner. You can restructure some of these deals, or you can ultimately say, we're going to take the L this year, and we're just going to eat it, and it's going to expand us for flexibility moving forward. I don't care which way that you do it. I mean, I think you can look at Cooper Cup and identify Cooper Cup as a continued long-term staple. That's a player that's due $15 million in base salary. You can convert several million, like significant amounts of money by restructuring him if you wanted to. I would also say for the the Rams, you're going to need to be very active after June 1st in free agency next year. But the good news about that is you're in a big market. You have a winning pedigree. You should have salary cap space to work with at that juncture. You'll know what holes you have to fill. But you got guys like Larry Ogunjobi signing for one year's $8 million after June 1st. You've got Melvin Ingram signing for one year's $4 million signing after June 1st. You've got Akeem Hicks, one year, $7 million. Riley Reef, one year, $3 million plus incentives. Carlos Dunlap, one year, $3 million. Like If you want to try to contend next year, that's going to be your spending window, not in March. But that doesn't mean you can't find good players. It just means you're not going to find long-term answers and commitments and big-time contracts. But hey, you got a lot of those. You don't need any more of those. Mm-hmm. And those guys are back, right? So we say stars and scrubs, and what's what stars are you going to lose? None, right? You're going to get cup healthy. Unless Aaron Donald retires. Like, you, you're going to get Matt all Stafford your... Stafford retires, but yeah. Your, your big-ticket guys that... I guess what minus Whitworth and Miller, like, and no boom when he was healthy. I thought he played pretty decent at left tackle. Bobby Wagner looks like he can still play. He's having a great year. So you got some, some nice pillar pieces here to kind of do what you do and rally around them and start zero and zero and see what happens. And oh, by the way, unless something changes, Starting in 2024, you'll have a first-round draft pick at your disposal. <laughs> okay, you want to <laughs> do the thing here? Do they have one? Right now, if you had to bet on it, the the Rams picking with their original pick in the 24-24 NFL draft, are they picking? Think no. It's going to happen? Yeah, no. I don't think so either. They're, they sounds like they tried to trade it multiple times already. Right. But it's only a matter of time. When you, when you, when you got to wait that long for it, nobody's, nobody's going to sign themselves up to give away a quality <laughs> NFL player right now. 
But, you know, this time next year, we'll be talking about, okay, who are the Rams going to move for and, and go get a guy yeah. who's a young player who just needs a new contract. And they'll, they'll probably be out from under the weight of some of the contracts that they've given out now. And they'll be able to get a, a young player in their mid-20s who's a Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber player and give him a contract extension. Like, they'll, yeah. they'll do it. Chris Schubert, as we transition to the Arizona Cardinals, what's your immediate reaction to the World Cup final drawing more American viewers than the World Series? I am happy for the growth of the sport of soccer in the United States, so that does make me very happy. Doubled it. Good. And soccer has had a nice uh, uptick. I think MLS has been good. And I think, I think it's going to continue. 2026, the next World Cup is here. It's in the United States, Mexico, and Canada. Kidding? It is It is North American bound, yes. Really? So th- yes. is there going to be like stadiums throughout? All across the country, uh, Canada, Mexico. There will be games at all of those different locations. That's cool. Is uh, That's the men's or women's? Men's in 2026. So we have the 2022 this year in uh, Qatar, and then we will be 2026 in uh, North America. And because of that, the U.S., Mexico, and Canada all automatically qualify. So all three of those teams will be oh. represented. Where's the next Women's World Cup? Is that in a different location? Uh, the next Women's World Cup is next year. I don't know exactly where it is. If you just give me two seconds, huh. I can tell you where it is. One Mississippi, located. two Mississippi. Uh, Australia and New Zealand in 2020. Nice job, Chris. All Nailed right. it. Awesome. All right. Arizona Cardinals. You're not going to the postseason, but there is next year. I'll uh, I'll do the thing I normally do here and talk about their assets and turn it over to you, Kyle, here. Arizona has $25 million in cap space. That's 13th most in the NFL, and that's some money to work with. They've also got some nice draft capital at their disposal. They're going to have their own first-round pick, which is probably going to be a top-10 pick. Their own second-round pick is going to be a high two, right? Two threes, a four, two sixes, and two sevens. I mean, you're looking at potentially one, two, three, four, five picks in the top 120. That's going to be really helpful to add some some young players to your to your football team. So you got a reasonable amount of reasonable amount of cap space, and you got a lot of draft picks to work with. That in itself is a win, and from what we understand, there may be a different influence. And we understand Michael Bidwell is largely an influential factor in the Cardinals building, but it sounds like with Steve Kime taking time for personal matters there's going to be new decision makers involved. And that, I think when you see how things peaked and plateaued, I think it'll only be a good thing to have a new set of eyes, new set of influential contributors to that discussion, whether they're people that have been in in-house but haven't been in Steve Kimes' chair, or if they're people from completely external from the, the organization. I think that in itself is a great opportunity for the Cardinals to come at this with a fresh approach, they have some key players. They've made a commitment to a, a franchise quarterback that obviously he's injured. 2023, the early portion of the season is not going to reap any benefits for that talking point. But you know what your identity is. You know the skill set of the player that is at the most important position for you to work and build around and maximize. And I think that is a good thing as well for Arizona. Yeah, knowing knowing who your quarterback's going to be, although he's going to be injured for a bit, is a good spot to be because um, you know what to build around there. And I do agree that 
you know, potentially having some new leadership here can, can be helpful. And I think them entering a season where depending on what they do this off season, our expectations might be low for Arizona, which is not a bad place to be in year one, where you can kind of have a two off season opportunity to get it the way you want it before. Okay. It's 2024. We, can go achieve some stuff here. And so right. while it may be difficult, I I think two real off seasons is, is a big deal to kind of extend your grace period that everybody gets when they, you know, they take over a situation. So I think that's, um, that's really, really helpful. I don't think there's any question that Arizona, you're, your focus starts and ends with the 2024 season in mind at this point, right? And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. That can be house money, right? Like ne- next year, if I'm Arizona and I'm looking at it, I'm saying, okay, you know, we, we're going to have a transition period with with Kyler being injured and coming back from that. And we're going to have a lot of new pieces. And Joe, like you mentioned, like they actually have a significant amount of capital on both sides of the ball to work with. You're going to have new influencers, You have time. I don't know that Cliff Kingsbury has time, but you as an organization and you as a team, you have time. And I think I always go back to the saying that you state here, Joe, and expectations minus reality equals disappointment. If you're honest about what your expectations for 2023 should be with the eyes on 2024, I think you can find a lot of really exciting storylines for Arizona in 2023 on that path to trying to position yourselves to actually make an impact and be a long-term legitimate contender, which I don't think is too far off if you do this right. I'm really fascinated to, to see what happens at quarterback here, knowing that someone's going to get a chance to be a starter for like eight or nine games. Right. In, 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 what type of player is attracted to that chance? I think that's getting, I mean, not that we're here to really speculate on that, but that that's at least interesting to me. Um, I think, that, I think there has been some bright spots here. I think Josh Jones has had a decent season uh, playing offensive tackle. I think Cameron Thomas and Zach Allen have both been really strong, bright spots for that defensive line. And I think, I think it's pretty safe to say that Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins have have played their best football um, this year. And so as you're, you're probably having to reset a little bit here on defense. I don't think you bring back Watt. you know, Byron Murphy's an expiring contract, but I think you have some young players here that I certainly feel differently about today than I did at the start of the season in terms of those being meaningful pillars of your defense. And then you mentioned a lot of guys, but we haven't really talked about Buda Baker yet. I mean, this is quintessential locker room and franchise cornerstone type of player, right? Mm-hmm. So you got a player like that as well, who when you're bringing young guys in, having a player like that and having a player like what J.J. Watt has been the last couple of years 
you didn't necessarily see that reap the benefits. Although I think Zach Allen's play has stabilized as a complimentary player in the front. I don't think he's a, a future Pro Bowl player, but I don't know about you. I like Zach Allen coming out of Boston College. So having influential players who are veterans, who are culture players and culture drivers, and having one of those being Buda Baker, I think is a big plus for Arizona as well. I think we should make Chris Schubert say something. He he should say something. You're right. Um. <laughs> okay. I will try to Only say something. Only positive. I, I think you are in prime position to do the thing that we always tell teams to do. And that is when you are gifted because of circumstance, because of poor play, because of whatever the case may be, you are gifted an opportunity to pick in the top 10, but you have a roster that you feel is pretty, pretty close to being a playoff team. You were in the playoffs a year ago. You have that golden ticket to make a move to either use that first round pick to trade back, gain more draft capital, set yourself up for good long-term success, or use that pick to get a player and some other picks and, and help your team right now. So I think that is the biggest takeaway that I have, the biggest thing that I would point to if I was a Cardinals fan. You're going to have a top 10 pick. You might have a top five pick, and that is your golden ticket to set yourselves up to have multiple firsts, whether it's in this year's draft or in multiple years' drafts, to really give yourself a nice runway to be able to support Kyler Murray, to be able to support this infrastructure that you're trying to create on defense, and then that allows you to fully invest into re redoing this offensive line getting some extra weapons, maybe getting a running back, really kind of building out this offense in the way that they want it with Kyler. So to me, that's my biggest takeaway is they're going to be given that ticket, do something with it. It's a great talking point, Chris. Glad we made him talk. It's Cardinals. It we knew little, we had to do it. A little hesitant about it, but, uh, well, I mean, not out of the park. isn't isn't that what you guys would do if you were sitting in the chair? Right. I know it's what I would do if I was sitting in the chair. You're going to give I, me a top five pick. I'm trying. Oh to. yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about your your response, but yes, yeah. I think Arizona is a perfect team to either have that. Oh my God, I can't believe this player's here. He can change our team and pick them, or move way back and set yourselves up with just tons of flexibility for for the next couple of drafts. That's a good place to be. They might mess around and get they could be picking number two like it's not great they're, they're a game out now they need some help with the broncos they need some help with the rams and they need some help with the bears but the cardinals have a worse strength of schedule than the bears do so if the bears win a game and arizona loses out like they could be positioned depending on if those other teams manage to scratch one out to be picking at number two. Now they, they can't catch the Texans. Well, I guess they, they could, but the Texans have to win out. That's not going to happen. The Texans are like a loss. They're away trying from to, clinching. they're, they're giving, they're giving it their best effort. I'll tell you that much. Right. Right. But I mean, let's let the Broncos. Who do they play down the stretch? The Broncos and Rams play each other next week. So one of those teams is guaranteed mm -hmm. to get a win. That's not entirely accurate. Chris, Chris has always got to remind you there's a chance of a tie. So the Broncos and Rams will play each other. So one of those teams in 98.9% .9 probability is going to collect a win. 
Who do the Cardinals play to, to close? The they Bucks, have... the Falcons, and the 49ers. We could be going on three, boys. If I'm a Cardinals fan right now at four and ten, I'm hoping they Let's... do go. Oh god. Three. Yeah, you like I we always talk about how it'd be hard to like root for your team to lose. No, but do it now. Not, it shouldn't be not, hard. Not this late in the season when you're on your second and third string quarterback and right. right. You're not going anywhere. This season's right. a lost There's... season. This is when you can turn on the tank of tankle meter. You just turn it up. You go, okay, here we go. Go <laughs> so if they other go, team. If they go 0-3, you're guaranteed to be top four. I need to see who else the Rams play. The Chargers and the Seahawks. They're probably not getting another one. Don't they have one more game too? Chargers, Seahawks, and oh, and Broncos. So Broncos. yeah, so the like the Broncos and Rams, like feasibly their winnable game left on the schedule. Not to say they couldn't have an upset, is against each other. So you'll probably get in front of one of those teams if they lose out. Chicago. Remember, they just need a. They play the Bills. They play the Lions and they play the Vikings. Yeah, it's going to be a no for me. Well, hold on. Like, what is Minnesota going to have to play for? Well, depending on Jalen Hurts missing the next two weeks, the one seed could be in play. It could be in play. Well, you still want to be the two seed. Correct. But also the one seed could very much be in play. Yeah. I mean, you want that two seed. You want to play two home games if you can. I would just say there's a world in which Minnesota has nothing to play for and sits significant players in Chicago week 18. So if you're Arizona, you have a very clear pathway to getting a top three pick. And if Houston goes quarterback at one, that means you're getting one of those defensive stars in Carter and Anderson that will at least be on the board for you. That's what I'm hoping for if I'm a Cardinals fan right now. Yeah, yeah. You'll be okay. You got good options. Anything else for the Cardinals' Levy Grail? Yeah, because I don't want to teeter on saying anything negative. We might as well get out while we've done our job. Yeah, we can call it a win. Let's get out of here. Fight on, my (laughs) men. That's right. Uh, Joe, I would just like to acknowledge that you're wearing a black and gold Draft Network t shirt with a blue and white Mets jacket. Is that correct? Yep, that's the attire I have on. Is it just because it's sorry. cold out? Yeah, it's cold as crap, man. Dude, it's cold here too. Jesus, I, I what is going cold. on with this it, weather? It is cold. I was just, I just kind of like just now took it in, and I was like, oh, like royal blue and white <laughs> with black and gold. He must have just grabbed this because it was cold out. And Ken confirmed. Just yeah, I grabbed this. I grabbed this sweatshirt. It's like it's, it's in the thirties this morning, man. It's only forty-one degrees out there. Listen, come up, come up north a couple hours, and I don't wish it was colder, Kyle. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna do it for us here today on the show. <laughs> Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert, the Draft Dudes. We bid you adieu. We thank our friends over at Bet Online for their continued support of the show. We hope you make it a great rest of your Wednesday, and we will talk with you all again tomorrow. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you are at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.